0: Welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. It is Wednesday, January 13th. The Magic and the Celtics postponed for tonight, hoping to get that game in on Friday. Uh, the NBA's health and safety protocols taking effect across the league right now in the Boston Celtics. One of the teams affected by that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Celtics on the floor. We're going to talk about the Magic a little bit with my guest this week. His name is Mark D'Amico, friend of the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, At Mark, that's with a C underscore D'Amico, D-A-M-I-C-O. Great Twitter follow. And he is a member of the Boston Celtics analyst, writer, reporter, director of Celtics official digital content. Do you put all that on? Your business card, it's 2021. I don't know if we have business cards anymore, but how do you pack all that in, Mark? Is that, I've, got that, that's the, a lot.
1: I've got the business cards, but you know when uh, you're writing a story in college and, and you're, you're supposed to fit it all on one page and you, you have to shrink the font down just to get it on one page if you <laughs> ran a little long? That's what I have to do with the, with the business card. I got to shorten
0: up that title, don't I? I, no, I think it's good because, as we know, in the in the field that we're in, Mark, as many hats as you can wear, and basically what that means is how many slashes do you have on your Twitter profile? Um, no I think doubt, it's good. You got to make yourself valuable uh, in any which way. Um, all right, let's start here because I, I'm not sure fans understand, and I'm sure you're getting a lot of the reaction in Boston with this is what the third straight game the Celtics have had postponed. Yeah. What don't people understand about about the health and safety protocols? I mean, I, I feel like people look at it and say, wow, there's eight positive COVID tests um on the on the Celtics roster. That's not the case necessarily. And and obviously there's some very sensitive information in all of this, but what kind of when when you hear from fans, what don't people understand about what's going on right now? Yeah, I think it's easy to think that there's eight players and, and on multiple teams, right? right? Right.
1: The Celtics are the only team going through this right now, but uh, all of these teams who are in the middle of having these supposed outbreaks or, or having games postponed because of COVID and health and pro- protocol, um, or sorry, health and safety protocols, it doesn't mean that all these players have actually tested positive. Many of them are actually just in the health and safety protocols because of contact tracing, right. because yeah. they had close contact with someone who did test positive. So, you know, the the hope, I think, on all of these teams' end is that you know, seven to ten days after those players went into um, the protocol because of contact tracing, they'll be able to come back and wind up having these rosters get much closer uh, to what they would be on a normal day uh, than they have been over the last week. I know, you know, this started out with Philadelphia. um, The Celtics got into it. Then the Heat got into it as well. There's just some teams that are really deep into this issue. uh, But hopefully over the next week or so, it will alleviate itself a little bit and allow the NBA to get back to normal. Uh, But who who knows if that's going to last long-term because this thing isn't going anywhere. Uh, I know the league is kind of hoping that, you know, this is kind of a carryover from the holidays. Um, Let's hope that that's the case and that everything – after kind of kind of the latter half of January, moving on for the rest of the season is a little
0: bit more under control. Yeah, I guess it's important to remember, like we, we all anticipated this. Everybody knew that it was going to be tricky. That's why we have half the schedule um, blocked out right now. And we've got some time. To, to, to try to work through some of these postponements slash cancellations, um, you know, once we get to the month of March, but it's tricky right now as of, as of air and as of recording time right now. Um, the Hawks-Suns game has post, been postponed tonight um, due to COVID protocol as well, and, you know, one of the tricky things, and we're seeing this with us, Mark, is you've got the, you know, you've got the obvious uh, uh, contact tracing, health and safety protocols that are that are causing all of this or or, or lots of this. But then we're seeing in Orlando just the schedule being so jam-packed, games every other day, the nagging injuries are starting to mount up as well. So from Orlando's perspective, just getting a day in between games. I mean, it was the month of January. We didn't have two days off in between games all month. Uh, we started the beginning of the season and then from the end of December, and it was supposed to be until February 3rd, it was a game mm-hmm. either back to back or every other day. And so we're seeing nagging injuries pop up. Um, and that's kind of, you know, one of the, one, one of the effects of the schedule that, you knew it was going to happen, but there was really there, there's no way to avoid any of this. I mean, it sucks for everybody, but the bottom line is there was no easy solution. And one thing that you and I both know is the league worked through every possible um, you know, alternative and solution before the season started. This is as, as good as it's going to get, I think, and that doesn't mean that it's good. Nothing is good in, in, in the COVID era. We just got to kind of take it day by day, right? Yeah, no question. And first and foremost, you're welcome for
1: getting you a couple straight days without a game. <laughs> allowing you guys to maybe get back to a little bit of, of uh, normal health uh, throughout the roster and maybe get you a little downtime, huh? Yeah, well, a,
0: yeah. a day, just a day is pretty what, much all I need. You I think I got an afternoon cleared to walk my dog and to clean my apartment up. So that'll be hey, great.
1: That's, you need a little bit, a little bit of time to do that. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to help you out. But yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. The NBA, like, I think going into the season, you know, some people might have thought, man, if if something like the last week happened in the NBA, maybe the NBA would shut down for the season. But I have, based off of the last X amount of years that we've had this leadership in terms of Michelle Roberts for the NBPA, in terms of Adam Silver for the NBA, when we've had this leadership, I have all of my trust in these people. And anyone who doesn't has an issue because these, these people have had a home run over and over and over and they've done the right thing every single time there has been a problem that, that has fallen in front of yep. the NBA or the players. So I trust these people. I know that they've thought this through before this whole thing started. Uh, I know that they are in contact with the very top uh, health agencies uh, and you know, every individual person that you could talk to in the country who is at the top of the health profession, they are in contact with those people And they're getting all of the advice from them. They're adhering to that advice. And, you know, just to finish it out, I trust them. I think everyone else should trust them uh, until there's a reason not to. And I don't foresee that happening.
0: No, I think that's well put, especially when you look around elsewhere. Um, I am very confident and proud of the fact that we have leadership, both on the players' union side uh, and on the league side um, that we've had. Uh, They've been at the forefront of just about everything. They've been so progressive and proactive. Um, going back to March that, you know, you it's going to, there's difficult decisions to be made. And when, when a decision is difficult, there's no right answer basically, uh, or no perfect answer. Um, But I think we all trust that, that this is about as good as it gets. And you just got to sort of put your head down and get through it. How, how much in contact have you been with the players? Um, Look, it's, it's a little different story when you're talking about the Celtics seven and three, through their first 10 games and and a championship contender and a championship pick for a lot of teams is the sense necessarily that maybe frustration is starting to mount a little bit or, or do you, is there a sense perhaps that this could be something that derails what could be a special season or are the players kind of where you and I are where, yeah, this stinks, but we just got to get through it. Well, here's the, here's the key to that is that you and I
1: aren't only there Brad Stevens has been there for Mm. a long, long time. And he's the guy who's kind of steering the ship in Boston. And he's, I I said this to Dan Savage yesterday, Brad Stevens, since the beginning of the season, and actually before the season started, he's been preaching to this team, Be ready to hit curveballs. That's the term that he's been saying all year long. I'm not very good at hitting curveballs. I sucked at it in high school, but we'll push that aside. Hopefully some of these guys can hit curveballs. But the curveball term is basically saying you have to be ready for a practice to be pushed back because our tests haven't been returned yet. You have to be ready to have a practice canceled and still capitalize on that day, even if there's a weather issue that comes up. And now over the last week, you've got to be ready to hit a curveball where games are postponed. And you've got to be able to stay uh, ready for whenever games do resume, which hopefully is going to happen Friday night against you guys. Um, the Celtics have to be ready to do that. So Brad Stevens has been preaching to these guys since before they even got to Boston to practice together for the first time that they needed to be ready for that and don't expect things to go as you would hope. Everything is going to be have a ton of moving parts throughout this season. We all know that. Brad's been preaching that, that to the players. And I think that's why they understand. And they're, I, don't, I think they're frustrated that they're not playing basketball right now. But I don't think they're over, overly frustrated to the point, like, what are we doing right now? I, th- I think they're just ready to get back out on the court and try to continue what they've done early in the season, which I think, I mean, to me, I did not expect the Celtics to be seven and three after the first 10 games. Uh, I, I thought that they had some issues during the preseason. Tristan Thompson wasn't in training camp. Kemba Walker hasn't played yet. It's surprising that they're at this place. And I think their hope is that they can get back to playing basketball right now, get Kemba Walker in the fold,
0: and then try to see what type of championship contender they really are. Be ready to hit curveballs is like the perfect metaphor. How is it you and I are supposed to be wordsmiths, and yet the head coach is the guy who comes up with the best way he, to, to He does this
1: all the time. And I just wondered to myself, like, how bad am I at my job what that I can't doing? figure out the things that he thinks of? I mean, he, he is such a great communicator. And, you know, exactly. You and I are supposed to be great communicators. We're, we work in communications, right? But uh, he, he always comes up with great sayings and metaphors and, and things that really kind of stick in your head that you're going to remember. I remember that. He's only said it in front of me a couple times. I can only imagine how stuck in, in the player's head that message is from him preaching it all preseason.
0: No, and I think it's probably a good indication of you know teams with good leadership within the locker room and on the coaching staff, those are going to be the ones we saw it in the bubble. Those are going to be the ones who are able to withstand all of this. You need at some point when the rubber hits the road, uh, you need somebody to look to. And it, it, it's great if it's a coach, but even better if it's a player. And you know, with guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and of course Kemba, and I, and I do want to ask you about Tristan in a minute, it, it feels like there's a, a real sense of maturity with with that group. And I do think um, long-term because like you said, like it feels like we're sort of working our way through this, but by the end of this season, it's going to have, you're going to feel like you were in the bubble, I think, um, just as far as, you know, kind of the, the strain and the stress that you put on yourself both personally and professionally um, with the way that this year has gone. And now we have a new set of protocols that players need to stick to. And, you know, Lord knows um, that could change again within a couple of weeks. What did you see on the floor through those 10 games? Um, Kemba, Tristan, question marks there, but Tatum and Brown, I mean, you know, that's a championship core right there. Um, Is there a sense that, and Peyton Pritchard playing great as a rookie, is there a sense that um, once you get everybody together, this thing's just going to take off? Well, you would hope so, right? I
1: mean, who who knows what the team is really going to look like when Kemba gets back in the fold because a lot of those shots that are going to Tatum and Brown right now, both of them averaging 26 or more points per game, which, you know, that's very rare in the NBA to have yep. two guys scoring at that, at that rate. But some of those shots are going to have to go to Kemba. There's no question about it. The good thing is that these guys played together last season, um, so they have a little bit of an understanding of what each other's games are. It's a little bit different for someone like Tristan Thompson who's trying to work into a brand-new team during this craziness. I, I, I don't envy his position, but I do think that, you know, when Kemba comes back, um, he's going to work in just fine with with Tatum and Brown. They're going to figure it out. The departure of Gordon Hayward has allowed Jalen Brown to kind of come up to that second and third banana on the team behind Tatum. And right now, without Kemba in the fold, really, Jalen Brown is like one beat. Uh, he's playing at such a high level. So those two guys have really been carrying the team this season. Uh, but there's no question that there is the hope that once Kemba gets back, once this team gets fully healthy... Once Tristan Thompson figures out uh, what the offense and defense is trying to accomplish e- each night, not to say he hasn't played well so far, but he's going to get better as the season progresses. This, the hope is certainly that this team as a whole uh, is going to be a, a serious contender for at least to win the Eastern Conference and hopefully get to the NBA Finals and try to compete for a title.
0: There was so much made with with Gordon's exit. And I really thought it was what about 48 hours later, maybe that that Tristan comes in and and it was kind of underrated or underplayed, mainly because of Gordon and, and, and the way that all went down with the the rumors about Indiana, and then he ends up in Charlotte. But I I said to anybody who would listen, I said, that's that's a really underrated addition. And it's not just because of what Tristan does on the floor. I just think Tristan's a really good guy to have in a locker room. Um, what, what, what's that been like so far? How's he fit in?
1: It's funny. I, I haven't really conversed much with Tristan Thompson before the season, before he came to Boston. So I didn't know a whole lot about him as a person. You know, obviously you hear about the headlines and, and the rumors and the Kardashians and all this stuff. And you just, you don't know what you're going to get. He has blown me away with the way that he presents himself on a daily basis, the leadership that he brings to the table after being in the league for nine years and winning a title and, and playing with the most famous basketball player in our generation in LeBron James, he just gets it, you know, and, and I guarantee you that in that locker room, the younger guys are listening to him and he's relaying the message in, in the right way and fashion. So uh, yes, he he's a he's a quality player on the court who's really going to help the Celtics in terms of crashing the glass, defending at a high level, switchability that the Celtics like to bring to the table defensively. Uh, but in the locker room is really what I, I didn't know he was going to bring this much to the team uh, off the court, and, and he's really blown me away with the way he's presented himself and and really just you know said all of the right things since the moment he put on a Celtics uniform.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It it. Because it was the same way. I covered him for a year in Cleveland, and and it was towards the end. It was twenty seventeen and or twenty eighteen, and I was I thought the same thing. I all you really see is the Kardashian stuff, and it was it was kind of a zoo at that point. Kyrie was already gone, and it was the year that they made the trade for Hood and George Hill, and so and and the Isaiah thing had already happened or it had happened that year in the first half mm-hmm. of the year, and it was. It was just sort of a weird vibe within that locker room. And then anytime I would talk to him or hear him talk, I was like, wait a second. Like, this guy is, you know, a player's union rep, essentially, right? Like, he, he's, he's so well-spoken. He's, he's just <laughs> – but he, he brings a really good sort of light attitude. And I do think it has to do with LeBron because LeBron's good at sort of setting that um, – that mentality within a locker room and it reminds me of Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson and all the guys that were most of the guys that were part of that team ended up sort of coming out of it with that mentality and that approach like let's have fun yeah we're gonna win yeah we're gonna hold ourselves accountable but 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 let's not take ourselves too seriously and it feels like Tristan does a really good job of sort of toeing that line still being a very effective player on the floor and the Kardashian stuff it just doesn't show up at all when you talk to Tristan and when you hear from him. Um, and I think a lot of people have a misconception about that. Like, it's possible to be involved in that world, but still be down to earth. And I, But I'm not sure a lot of people are able to do it. Like, Tristan's a really unique guy in that way. Yeah, no question. You started talking about LeBron and kind of his tree
1: is just unbelievable, right? right. There's my dog in the background. Sorry right. for that. That's COVID times, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you just can't control the animals in the We got a package there? Is it, is it
0: Amazon at the house or what?
1: Yeah, it, that is exactly what just happened. I'm looking it. at it outside right now. Uh, I knew it. But if if you think about that tree that's kind of trickled off of LeBron James throughout time, you've got James Jones as the GM out in out in Phoenix. You've got. Mike Miller, who's on coaching staff. Um, you've got all these other guys who, who, who are around the league, like we're talking about Tristan Thompson, uh, Richard Jefferson. All of these guys are established, down-to-earth people who say the right things all the time. And I, I really think it's just the fact of playing with LeBron is going to change you. Playing with LeBron is going to make you know what you need to do and when you need to do it. Uh, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And I think that that's why Tristan Thompson is where he is. If he didn't play with LeBron, I don't think that he would be in this place uh, that he is right now in terms of um, you know knowing how to communicate and knowing how to be a leader.
0: What's the deal with the dog and the skunk? I saw that on your Twitter profile. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, last so we moved into a new place about two months ago, right? We've got a little bit of a backyard. There's not a whole lot of backyard situation happening in Boston, but we, we've we got a little bit of space out there. And last night, uh, he nudges the back door open and then just stands in the doorway staring staring out into the backyard. And I'm like, this looks like – he 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 doesn't know what, what the hell just happened back there. And then I got a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And next thing you know, I'm smelling skunk off oh, of him. Boy. So yeah, I, I think that was his first interact. He probably thought it was a squirrel. He hates squirrels. He chases them around all the time. I think he might have thought it was a squirrel back there. And unfortunately, he got a little spray. So yeah, yeah we, we we had to give him the wash last night, get all the hydrogen peroxide and all that good stuff. And He's smelling all right now but he's ruining this podcast barking in the background at the Amazon delivery guy. Oh no, that's fine.
0: That's <laughs> fine. Good luck with that. You're going to The problem is then whenever he gets wet if he if you take him out in the rain 6 months from now, then you're going to smell that oh, again. god. That's the yeah, issue see with this it. hasn't
1: happened to me in a long time. We just got him a couple of years ago and we haven't we, we were living in like downtown downtown Boston where there's no yards anywhere. So we didn't have to deal with the skunk thing, but now now we've got to deal with this. I'm not looking forward to that coming back that sent next time he gets what thanks thanks for making me look forward to that i appreciate you're,
0: that you're, no, hey you're you're country folk now that's uh, yeah, you you're a good guy <laughs> <laughs> oh all right let's talk about before we go um before we move on i want to talk about taco um obviously <laughs> he he's he's seeing an opportunity right now um what, what where's his game at like is it developing um is it a situation where you feel like there, there's a real future for him to be on the floor. Obviously, he's going to be a reserve, I think, you know, for now. Um, but does it feel like he's, he's making strides? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's
1: no question about that. And really, it's just how quickly he's made those strides. When mm. he came out of college, there's a reason coming out of UCF that he was undrafted, right? And he admits that, he, first and foremost. He's willing to own that and say, I wasn't the player who I needed to be to, to become a drafted NBA player. He signed a two-way contract with the Celtics. Now he's on a second one, and man, has he come a long way! I mean, he he's always moved pretty well for a guy who's seven foot five, seven foot six. Um, but but the way that he's learning the game now is really what has stood out. He he really knows where to be when he's defending a pick and roll. Um, he he knows where to be offensively when he's setting those screens. And as a seven foot five or six guy you've got to know how to sell it, set a solid screen because that's what you're on the court to do. You're out there to rebound, defend the rim, and set screens. Um, and, and he's really learning the intricacies of the game that he, that he just hadn't internalized um, going through the high school and college ranks. And now it's starting to get him to a place where I do think he has a future in the NBA. Now, listen, the NBA is going small. We all know that. Uh, we, we've got sometimes some, some small forwards playing center out here for some teams. We've done it with Shemi Ojalee playing center for the Celtics at times. Grant Williams playing center for the Celtics. It happens everywhere in the league, outside of with you guys, with Vooch. You you guys have, you know, an all-star center. You've got to go to him. But it's happening around the league. But that doesn't mean that some guys – can't still be effective as, as a true big man. Uh, and I think that, you know, situationally, he's always going to be there for, you know, a late game inbound pass, defending the rim or defending the inbound pass along the sideline. But I do think that he can provide something to teams. And right now that's the Celtics. Uh, but moving forward in his career, I do think he's going to have an opportunity simply because he moves so well for his size. He's got such a, a, a great brain inside that head. He, he, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. I mean, just to put it downright simple, he's one of the smartest people and kindest people I've ever met. Um, he's humble, and, and that's why I think that he's always going to commit himself to learning the game at a higher level. He's going to learn the game at a higher level, and that's what's going to allow him to make an impact combined with you know his athleticism for his size.
0: Yeah, situationally. I mean, you look at Boban, I guess he's the easy – comparison but situationally there's there's going to be room for guys like that as long as they don't get exploited on pick and roll uh and things like that and there's always going to be a situation where a team is killing you at the rim and you could use that size I mean if he's on the floor he's going to be blocking shots almost no matter what um and and so I think you know there's use for that um as long as the as long as the downside doesn't outweigh the 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 upside and it seems like
1: no No question. You mentioned Boban. Like I think Boban is a much more skilled player than taco. I think taco would admit that, but I think taco moves better. So Mm -hmm. he's much less of a liability in those pick and rolls that we're talking about right now. um, You know, in this day and age. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I I really do think he's got an opportunity moving forward in his career. It's just a matter of um, finding the right place for a full-time position maybe that happens on the Celtics and hopefully he is around for a long time because the fans love him. He loves it here. He talks all the time about how the Celtics were the team who really showed that they believed in him coming out of the draft with him being undrafted. They were the first team to call him. Uh, And, and, you know, he's committed to this organization. They're committed to him. And, you know, hopefully he he can stay around here for a long time and make an impact with that giant frame that he has. Uh, But if it's not here, I'm confident that he's, he's going to get an opportunity somewhere in the league to play a legitimate role on a team.
0: That's cool. And obviously a lot of people uh, with eyes on Taco's career down here in Central Florida. I know you've got an eye usually on on what's going on with the Magic. Um, Spent a brief time here before you headed up to Boston. What what did you no, think with the beginning of the season with Markel, the way he was playing? The injury was obviously a, a huge blow to to the team and to Markel. But um, – I think everybody was rooting for Markel and it, it felt like he was on the precipice of something special, obviously just a, you know, a, a heartbreaking setback for him right now. Um, but, but the future is bright for that kid, isn't it?
1: Yeah. What, what he was doing and coming back from where he, he had been and where he had been was the bottom, right? I mean, yeah. he, he bottomed out. And I think he'd be the first one to admit that to everyone. He, he really had, he was in a tough position. Um, and you love to see someone who has the mental strength to be able to come back from that and then show everyone that, Hey, I really am a player. And that's exactly what he was beginning to do. And, you know, you use the word heartbreaking, I think. And and it really was heartbreaking when I saw that news scroll across my Twitter feed, I'm just like, Oh my God, that guy has worked so hard, both mentally and physically to get to where he is today. Uh, But, but here's the thing, the fact that he's done it in the past, Uh, in getting through mental and physical obstacles to, to then succeed. He's going to do it again. Now. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be able to do it again now because he's built that mental and physical strength within him um, to do it in the past. So, you know, I am proud of him. I don't even know him at all. I've never spoken to Markel, uh, but I'm proud of the guy for being able to bounce back the way he did um, from where he was at one point of his career to get to where he is now with, with the Orlando magic And, and they've shown how much they believe in him by investing in him. So you know, hopefully he can figure it out. Hopefully his shot develops a little bit more. Um, we can't have a point guard shooting 39% from the field, right? So we got to get that shot straightened out a little bit. But everything else on the floor, I think he was showing everybody, hey, this is legit. And, and I can be a real player in this league uh, once I get the opportunity to play healthy and, and confidently for a couple straight years.
0: Last thing, Mark. Um, you, you know, I follow you, and you and I are pretty much in in – lockstep on the way we view the league and players and player movement and player empowerment and sort of the era we're in. I felt like an old crotchety man last night on Twitter, reading about Kyrie and James Harden. Like I, all of a sudden I'm, you know, Lou Dobbs or something. I just, I can't wrap my head around both what both these guys are doing. Like it makes me so angry that James Harden essentially set the building on fire and then called the fire department and said, and said somebody's got to help me get out of here and Kyrie like I love like yes be involved civically and, and with politics yes we love it and yes we understand mental health is important and if you need time off you deserve time off but the way that you don't communicate to your teammates and then you're on a zoom call with a you know a Uh, mayoral mayoral candidate in New York City or whatever, Um, that just drives me nuts that now Steve Nash and his teammates have to answer those questions. And I know you know Kyrie a little bit, and I know you know he's a different cat. Um, But between the two of them, it's like at some point we have to say, you owe it to your teammates and to the organization to show up. Otherwise, you don't get paid. Or if you want to get traded, do it privately. Do not come out to the lectern and say, I can't do this anymore. The situation is crazy. Am I off base? Am I turning into an old angry man? No, I, I don't think you're totally off base. And, and I hate to be PC here, but,
1: and a lot of people hate me for this because sometimes I stick up for Kyrie on, on some of the things that pop up where people just don't get it. They don't understand like who he is as a person. Like you said, I, had, I was fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time around him went during his short and brief time here in boston but i got to know him a little bit and he is a different person um and in my assumption is james harden is a different person and the one thing that always came about with me during Kyrie's time here in boston all the times not all the times but many of the times that the media the national media got on his back about something i maybe knew something behind closed doors that those people didn't. Mm-hmm. And maybe I understood it a little bit more. So so I've always operated um, with Kyrie, you know, since he moved on and during his time here and now really with James Harden as well, no one knows the entire situation except for that person. Yeah. Right. We don't know what has been communicated between these players and be- between the organization. Only those people who are involved in those situations really know. So I hate to jump, to any conclusions about these people without really knowing what has been discussed amongst them. Um, you know, James Harden has obviously showed up. He, he's played his games. He's, he's played at a really high level. Um, not, not maybe not the the ideal level that, that won him an MVP a couple of years ago, but you know, he, he's really bringing it on the court still um, despite maybe, you know, not being in, in the ideal shape that he wants to be to compete for a, a title, but you know, behind closed doors, those guys, Uh, and and the organizations and the people they're communicating with are the only people that know all of the facts. And that's how I always operate. I don't know all the facts. And so I'm not going to pass any judgment on these people until I do know all the facts. And that stuff's likely not to happen until after these situations are resolved.
0: That's fair. That was a very, that was a very political way to to put it. Yeah. And
1: you know, I hate, I hate doing it. uh, And I, I, you know, I'm not like this all the time, but with these particular situations, I, I'm I'm not a hot take kind of guy. I've said that many times before, and and this is really why because I just I don't like to pass judgment on anyone until I know everything about that situation, and I don't think we're ever going to know everything, you know, every detail about this situation with Harden in Houston or, or Kyrie in Brooklyn or Kyrie in Boston, even you know, no no one's ever going to know all of the details, um, but until we know enough to be sure that that person acted out of line, I'm not going to be the guy who calls them out. I'm I'm always going to wait until I know. And at that point when I know that's when I can pass that judgment. And that's not to say that anyone else can't pass it. You know, it's everyone else's it's everyone's opportunity to interpret information the way that they wish. Um, And there's no right and wrong. This is just the way that I tend to, to look at these types of situations and kind of wait until I know a little bit more.
0: No, I think that's well put, and I think that's diplomatic. Um, it's, it's not. It's never easy when you see these situations, and obviously, you know, if, there there wouldn't be a story if everything was fine. Um, for sure. sure. But, 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 with, with that Irving guy, it just always feels like. Like what were you thinking when he was burning sage during the preseason game in Boston? I, do you want to know what I
1: thought? To be honest with you, what?
0: and I, that
1: wasn't a, that wasn't the preseason guy. Was that the? I think that was the Christmas Day game. Okay, yeah, the, it you, maybe it was the preseason game. I don't know. I might have mixed them up. But I honestly didn't care. Like, no, I, I, I thought actually, that was. I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was yeah, interesting I, and funny. I literally tweeted out when it was having. Everyone was jumping on the guy. I'm,
0: Who cares? No, I didn't it's care. I, but I thought it. But, but didn't it seem like? But didn't it seem like another? Another look at me. Th- I wasn't angry about it, but I was like, okay he's so out so, there and there's just yeah, always so that, something with him.
1: Yeah. But that that's the difference of, of, I think, how I interpret some things versus other people is that I, I didn't view that as a, as a look at me thing. I viewed that as just something that he likes to do that he happened to do in a game that was in Boston. And he said after the game that he's done that on other courts as well during the preseason and in the past. And it's something that connects with his heritage and I don't care you know, if, if it was affecting someone else negatively, then then you've, you've got, uh, you know, an opportunity to kind of, like, you know, get on his back. But what if somebody's
0: allergic it, but, to sage? It, yeah, <laughs> I,
1: if that's the case, then <laughs> I don't think he would have gotten approval from the Celtics to be able to do it, right? So yeah, that, that's just how I am. You know, I, I like to look at things to say like, hey, this person wanted to do that. And, and in this instance, it was Kyrie Irving burning sage and Whatever. Who cares? That's what he wanted to do. It didn't affect anyone negatively. Maybe it gave him a little bit of peace of mind. He played really well that game. So maybe, maybe he needs to do that for every single game. But, uh, you know, every person is their own person. And until that is causing a negative issue for other people, um, I, I tend to you know, not, not like to jump on someone for that.
0: No, you, that you're right. And situation for the sage. And yeah, the sage, exactly. The sage thing was, it was, um, it was benign. Uh, some <laughs> of this stuff, I do feel like we're starting to sort of trade. Exactly. Into it into uh, where, where, where it's affecting his teammates and his coaching staff. Uh, but with that said, it's, you know, that's the risk you take when you have a talent like James Harden or Kyrie Irving. And those two guys are not the only guys uh, who have introduced issues like this um, to, uh, to their teammates and to their locker rooms. Mark, great stuff as always. I always enjoy it. It's at Mark D'Amico on Twitter, M-A-R-C underscore D-A-M-I-C-O. Celtics analyst, writer, reporter, director of Celtics official digital content, dog owner, uh, homeowner, uh, rural homeowner, now yard owner. Uh, oh man, the the list above. doesn't
1: end, does it?
0: <laughs> Mark, and
1: most importantly, former Orlando Magic employee. That's it, I've former, always got a connection with. The are Masters. you the every time you guys need me, I'm here.
0: I always say you're the Dan Savage of the Boston Celtics, but I think I think Dan Savage might be. Uh, the Mark D'Amico of the Orlando Magic. Is that a better That's comparison? what I'm talking
1: about. I was the Dan Savage before Dan Savage. So <laughs> no, we'll make sure. Let, I... Let's get that down and etch that in stone, okay? I will make
0: sure I relate All right.
1: I built the foundation, he built the house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mark, thanks, brother. We'll catch up soon, okay? All right. Appreciate it. All right. There he is, Mark D'Amico. Jake Chapman here. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter as well. It's at JakeChapmanOM. I'm back next week with another edition of the Magic Weekly Podcast. Be safe, everybody.